0: All right, welcome to the Other Wrestling Show. Uh, We are a wrestling podcast dedicated to specifically talking about all elite wrestling. Uh, uh, My name is Joel. Hey
1: everyone, I'm Mike.
0: And uh, we're a couple of longtime wrestling fans, a couple of lapses in our history, as most wrestling fans can identify with. Uh, But we're both really excited about uh, all elite wrestling. And we noticed that. most of the podcasts that we listen to are still primarily talking about uh wwe and so we wanted to provide something that focused specifically on dynamite so we're just a couple of marks uh talking about our experience of watching dynamite what we like what we don't like and uh, we wanted to share that with you so we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about on this episode but before we get into that mike how you doing
1: huh, i'm doing all right i it's... You can finally hear me with an actual human voice instead of sounding like a habitual smoker for the last decade. Um, I was wicked sick, which is why we're recording this a little late. But uh, for the most part, pretty excited to to get this going and to, to review what I thought was a pretty good episode of Dynamite. And I am, I'm riding a little high right now because the Cowboys finally got rid of Jason Garrett. And I don't know how we could talk for a few minutes at all and not me not mention that. So go Cowboys. And once we get to football season again, this might turn into a Cowboys podcast, whether you like (laughs) it or
0: not. Well, I'll, I'll make sure that doesn't happen. Um, and, uh, as you know, I'm a huge Tar Heel basketball fan, so I'm mostly trying to avoid sports uh, at the moment, um, after our despicable showing against Georgia Tech. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, so the holidays are an interesting time to try to be a wrestling fan. Uh, I know for myself, I, I hardly watched anything during the holidays, but I did make sure to take time to keep up with dynamite. Uh, I have not missed an episode and uh, I agree. I think that the January 1st episode was pretty rock solid, um, uh, leading off with a little recap of the episode that was on January 1st. Uh, the new year in all elite wrestling and uh, the show I thought started off pretty hot. You know, we had Cody Rhodes uh, recapping with uh, Darby Allen, getting their rematch finally, um, which is a culmination of, of a kind of mini storyline that they had set up with, with that being what Darby wanted. Cody went over. Um, I thought it was a really good showing. We'll probably talk more about that a little bit later on. Then there was the uh, the women's fatal four-way match for the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, this one was a little bit confusing for me, and, and that's something I definitely want to get into. Uh, Riho did retain. And then we had Trent uh, continuing his trend of, of having great one-on-one matches, uh, facing off against John Moxley, who, of course, went over. And then uh, Dustin Rhodes... Uh, took the surprise L against Sammy Guevara and the elite finally got one back in their match against the lucha bros and pack. So, so that was the the main stay of what took place on that January 1st dynamite in terms of the matches. Uh, so stock up, stock down. What did you like? Who do you think had their stock go up from this past episode?
1: Well, I'm going to go with, uh, the opening match, uh, Darby Allen is awesome, and I'm I'm really impressed because what I liked about this match is that we their first match was back at was that Fighter Fest or Fight for the Fallen. I can't remember which yeah, one. Yeah, one of those summer, um, but one of those summer mini events. But I remember when that match was was announced. I'm like, Darby, who? Darby, what's a Darby Allen, and why should I care? I remember watching that match come and we're like, wow, this this kid's got something. I think he could be a know, a pretty interesting, uh, character and wrestler for them. And just to see how far he's come, not only just in the ring, he, he's incredible, but to see how over he is now between, between, uh, those two matches, um, was, was just incredible. And he did, once again, he had some amazing spots that I just, it's hard to put into words how crazy they are. I haven't watched anyone and and felt the way I have with Darby since like maybe young Jeff Hardy maybe heavyweight champion Jeff Hardy and just like mind being blown by what he's able to do and what he's willing to risk. So uh, I definitely am excited that he's getting some, uh, some shine. I'd like to see him win, you know, some of these, these big matches. I don't, I don't know if it necessarily hurt Cody if he, if he took the L here, but uh, it just continues the trend of, of Cody really, really helping make people look like stars. And we got another, chance to elevate Darby from a match with Cody.
0: I think it's really telling that Cody Rhodes went over in this match, and all we want to talk about is Darby Allen. He is someone who moves differently in the ring from just about anyone else that's out there. It reminds me of the first time I saw uh, Prince Puma in Lucha Underground or you know, King Ricochet in New Japan. Uh, the way that they move just changes your perception of what's possible in a wrestling ring and it also makes it more believable when everybody's moving the same way it just seems like okay this is this is choreographed this is something that they've agreed upon and they're all a part of when someone moves in a way that's distinct from everybody else, it adds a layer of realism because in the real world, everybody doesn't move the same way and everybody has their their distinct features and ticks. I really liked what I saw from Darby Allen in this match. And I think they told a different story and had a different style to the way this match was worked. It started off with that excellent technical sequence right off the top and uh, moved into the kind of... Um, storytelling piece with the things getting ugly and really physical and then there were the injuries and the working the body parts and just seeing the different acts that this wrestling match went through I thought it was a masterclass in storytelling and and clearly those two have great chemistry and I hope we get to see them you know over the years work together a whole lot more Um, I don't want it to get overexposed but at the same time really really great stuff
1: well, I, I like that it gives a chance for Cody to work from a strength position. And that's what I like so much about their match this summer too. Like Cody, he's, he's a big guy for AEW, but you know, a lot of the people he's fought have been roughly around the same size. So to get him kind of see, to work this power style and still, you know, keep up with some, some awesome spots uh, is really encouraging. And the, and the storytelling was all over the place. They they had Darby come out with the guy wearing Cody's face they had the video with uh, Darby wearing Cody's face printed out. Then they had the awesome storytelling with like how Arn Anderson is the head coach of the Nightmare family, which at first I'm like, that's stupid. But the way that they positioned this whole match is like Cody couldn't beat Darby before. They went to a, a time limit draw. And the difference in this match was Arn Anderson being his head coach on the sideline. Like they made a point to involve... Arne in the actual finish of the match, you know, getting, getting on the rope, uh, the apron and telling him to put his knees up. Like it was just, it was just really good. And I really, I'm curious to see how Arne Anderson plays into the nightmare family going forward. Um, they actually did announce before this show on social media that Arne Anderson's going to be on TV more. Uh, it was r- rumored to be Cody's manager, but this head coach thing is a uh, pretty interesting and it just, it just, I just really like the storytelling of how like Cody couldn't do it before. And I noticed, uh, in their first match, Cody was kind of like toying with him, kind of toying with the little guy. You could tell that he was way more focused, you know, in a, in a kayfabe way. So it was it's just really good attention to detail for a story that was six, seven months old and they were, and I felt commentary did a good job of kind of connecting that without necessarily mentioning you know, the match last time I felt they did a good job of if kind of explaining that.
0: Definitely. Uh, so something that, that really bothers me about the other wrestling company that we, we don't talk about here is that they don't take their own stuff seriously. As the viewer, if you're taking your gimmicks seriously, I'm going to take it seriously. And so, yeah, the idea of Oh, Arn is the head coach of the Nightmare family. It sounds dumb on its face, but they take it seriously. They allow it to be what it is within a wrestling context, and it works because they give it that importance. Uh, So I did really like that. Uh, My stock up this week is a little bit different. I'm actually looking at Trent. Um, and I think this is something that's been kind of a collective move, is we've seen Trent in a series of high-profile singles matches. Uh, I believe that started with Pentagon Jr., uh, which was just a really, really great match that he actually came out with the win, um, which I thought was really awesome. So he's been featured in a big way as a singles competitor. Obviously, he's got stuff going on with uh, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy, the whole best friends thing. And they're going to be around on the tag team scene. But I feel like he's gotten to showcase what he can do in the ring as a singles competitor. And the dude looks great right now. I mean, he is absolutely ripped at the moment. And uh, it's really, really great to see someone who's been working at his craft for so long, you know, bounced around, had a cup of coffee in WWE developmental, did some Ring of Honor stuff, did some New Japan stuff, has really been all over the place, finally giving that, national spotlight here in the states and uh, getting the opportunity to shine Uh, even though once again we're talking about someone who took a loss here you know he didn't get the win over moxley but he looked really good against you know arguably the top position star in the company right now moxley of course is the number one contender to chris jericho's title so really big spot for him and he held his own in that match it was it was not a squash so great to see that what did you think of that match?
1: Yeah, I I was expecting a squash. I don't know if that's my conditioning from the other wrestling show, but I was like, oh, man, because I don't even think Trent got the entrance. I might be wrong on that, but I feel like he was just kind of waiting for him. But if I'm wrong, then I will take that back. But I just, uh, I was expecting a squash and a thing. Yeah, Trent's physical presence right now. He did not look, he looked like he belonged in the ring with Moxley, which I think is really important. Um, Like, he didn't look overmatched. He didn't look undersized. Like it, it was surprisingly physical. Like it was an extremely physical match. Uh, I think they might have the two, like the two loudest chops I've ever heard on TV. Like those slaps were ridiculous. And I don't know who said it, but someone said that's a good way to lose an areola.
0: <laughs> that's a Taz special. He loves that line. Is that a
1: Taz special? Uh, props for Taz, man. He he fit right in. Uh, I need more Taz in my life. Taz with one Z, not two Zs. Um, <laughs> but I just, I really enjoyed how physical the match was. We got a slobber knocker from JR. Um, it's just, they got, he got some good offense. The crowd seemed really into it. The, God, what was it? There was a, uh, a half Nelson suplex by Mox, which I don't think I've seen him whip out before. Um, and then, of course, we, we had to get the Orange Cassidy spot. And Moxie doing the pocket was awesome because it's like, It's comedy, but it wasn't like as goofy as some comedy spots usually are. Like the crowd popped for, I was, I was popped for, I put my hands in my pocket as soon as he did. It was just, it was just a really fun match. And it it made, made them both look really strong to the point where I kind of want to see, this is the point where I kind of wish there was some sort of secondary title or some other like thing that we could put Trent into, to really, you know, get him over some more, you know, like a tournament or something like that. I do think that they're lacking a little bit in the mid-card scene, especially on the male side. But yeah, really fun match. It started a little slow. I was I was kind of like, okay, but it got intense. It picked up. The last six or seven minutes of that match were, were just awesome.
0: The only thing that I didn't like about it was that it felt a little bit random. Uh, other than the fact that Trent has been in these high-profile singles matches and he's been featured what's he doing with Mox, right? It doesn't really fit into anything. There wasn't any buildup. And I think part of what hurt, what was otherwise a very strong show was kind of a lack of continuity because there wasn't an episode the week prior, which I'm in support of, uh, but it did kind of throw me off, especially because, you know, it's the holidays. So much is going on. So much happens. Mm -hmm. And you come back to it two weeks later and it's like, wait a second, what's going on? Why are these things happening? So, uh, other than that, I mean, I thought it was a really, really strong match a good showing for both competitors. Of course, Moxley needed to get the win. Uh, and then the other thing that was kind of awkward was, you know, it seemed like maybe Moxley had had a little too much holiday cheer during the break. Uh, he seemed a little bit blown up at the end of the match when he was giving his promo. If you, if you can call it a promo, it was, it was pretty sad, um, I did not really care for that at all. He's just, there was no feeling, there was no emotion. There was no energy behind anything that he was saying. And it kind of fell flat for me, but the match itself, I thought was really, really solid. And I thought Trent looked really good.
1: Yeah. It certainly wasn't his paradigm shift promo that he did when he first got to AEW. I'm going to chalk that up for, he was just tired. Cause that was a pretty intense match. He took a pile driver right before the end of the match. So, um, and, you know, it definitely wasn't uh, our usual, but I, I I know this is probably what they weren't trying to do, but I was, I kind of felt like he was trying to play that he's kind of, uh, he's not sure of his decision of what he wants to do with the, uh, the inner circle. And I don't know if that was how he wanted that promo to go, but yeah, it definitely didn't sound like the Moxley promos that we're used to, but we haven't really seen him do promos like right after a match in AEW. Most of them have been prior to, or through vignettes. Um, I thought the content but, was
0: fine. I just felt like his energy was lacking. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. I think they were trying to tease the Willie won't he kind of thing. And, and, you know, of course I think he's not going to join the inner circle and he's going to go forward with being the number one contender and having his match with Jericho. But they're doing a good job uh, with the tease. And so I do think it's going to feel like a moment on this upcoming episode when he makes that decision. So which they did announce that, or he did announce that that's going to be when he he gives that message out of respect face to face. So I like that.
1: Yeah. And uh, I, I I did enjoy the Jericho part of the post match. Sammy's promo. Didn't really do it for me. He kept calling him Mox, baby. And like, I just, mm, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, I, I did like that. He walked through the crowd kind of joking. I see why you do this. I see why you do this. Had a sip of Pepsi, had some popcorn, threw the popcorn at someone. Um, Some good heel work, but the promo itself was like, eh. The 2020 glasses were dumb. The noisemakers were dumb. Like, dude, we know it's New Year's, but, ugh. Yeah. But Jericho on the Jumbo-chan was cool, though. I, I liked what he was saying, and I wonder if they, they had to film that because Jericho was on his way to Japan. Um, but like, I liked how he like, was offering more than a mask or a lump of hair, like making a joke of the other recruitment storylines they got going on, um, which we can talk about those in a bit, too. Uh, I liked how he was referring it to his inner Silk LTD. He's going to be a 49% shareholder. Just letting him know you're just not as good as me. Um, and it goes back to the promo he cut when he first did the offer. Like, if you say yes, if you make the wise decision, the world could be ours. All you have to do is say yes, make your decision wisely. We'll be waiting for you. The choose wisely part I really enjoyed from the first promo. And the waiting for you is ominous as all get up. So, um yeah, I'm excited for the the announcement next week and see where they go with it.
0: It does kind of feel like Darth Vader holding out his hand at the end of Empire Strikes Back, you know, join me and we can rule the galaxy together. But we all know how that turned out too. So, um.
1: well, he lost a hand. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> if Moxley loses a hand, AEW is the most extreme shit in the world. <laughs> like, I let's go down that route. Let's have him have a robot hand. That'd be great.
0: So uh, we had a
1: one-legged wrestler. We can't have a one-handed John Moxley. Like very great. You got a prosthetic with like weapons. It'd be awesome.
0: So you can't have cheers without jeers. So uh, what's your stock down for this week?
1: All of the backstage vignettes, like the SCU, like football pump, like pep talk was crap, was just bad. And I don't really know. Like, I know there's bowl games on New Year's Day, so maybe that was it, but I I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I liked Sammy, you know, crapping all over Christopher Daniels to stop that match next week, but that promo was pretty rough. Uh, the Dark Order vignette, like, the, the vignette didn't really do much for me considering everything that happened on the 18th episode with them getting basically no reaction for what they did. Um, and the only one that like, I I kind of did something for me was, was Janela taking the low blow from Penelope Ford. Like, cause that was short, sweet to the point. Like we don't need more for that storyline. That's it. Like they can tear it up in a few weeks or maybe at revolution next month. And that's going to be a great match. We don't need to have them talk for more than two seconds. Well, and Um, Penelope
0: Ford's a tremendous talent. So anything she gets to do is a plus. So I I agree with you on that one.
1: And then the jungle boy interview. Oh man, he sounded stiff. It sounded like he was reading off like Sammy's cue cards from the commercial break. Like I, I love jungle boy. I love what he does in the ring. I love his, like his gimmick, but man, that was rough, and then the audio screw was like—I don't know if it was choppy, maybe it was just choppy on my my—you uh, know through YouTube TV. But I couldn't understand anything Luchasaurus said, not a not a damn thing. And then that awkwardly cut into a Rio interview backstage, where Britt Baker teases a heel turn, but then we can barely hear the audio, and then Michael Nakazawa is talking for her? like, and. and it just I don't know mm-hmm. the, the some of the interviews didn't hit and uh I, th- I even wrote what the hell were those two segments <laughs> like those two interviews because they bled right into each other. It's like they ran out of time and they need to squeeze these in because that would happen right before the elite versus Pac and the Lucha Bros. It just it felt weird. I'd rather those would have been better as like Twitter uh interviews or YouTube interviews. It just for the most part, none of the backstage segments did much for
0: me. Yeah, I think they're still feeling out some of the production pieces. There are clearly some things they're still working on. Audio issues have been present on every single episode of Dynamite from the beginning.
1: And pay-per-views.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's something where they really need to get that ironed out and fast. Uh, they had a really strong New Year's show and uh, did really well in the ratings And you've got to capitalize on that by presenting a product that people want to come back to. So, yeah, I I agree. It was a little bit lackluster. I think they in general have been kind of pushing things together and trying to get as much time for the matches in the ring as possible, which I do appreciate. Right. I really like Mm -hmm. that I can tune in and a match that, you know, in the other wrestling company would get seven minutes with a commercial break in in the middle is going 15 to 17 minutes on, and they're able to tell a much better story and have their competitors look more legitimate. You don't look bad when you lose a match that goes 15, 17 minutes. You look terrible when you lose a match that goes three minutes. And that's also a storytelling device, right? Because when they do squash matches It actually puts over the talent that wins. So when you have that contrast, it makes a big difference. In this episode in particular, though, it it did feel really pushed together with those backstage segments kind of leading into one another. The audio issues were very problematic. And I felt bad for, you mentioned Luchasaurus. I mean, that was a great line to look into the camera and say, life finds a way, you know, channeling Ian Oh, is Malcolm. that what he said? Yeah. You know? It, <laughs> oh,
1: oh, I couldn't tell.
0: And, and it, it really it was. It was hard to tell between the mask and the audio quality. It just It's something that's got to be better because they're putting out a great product and for the production quality to take away from that is really a shame. Uh, my stock down for this week was just the randomness of some of these matches and i'm gonna pick on the fatal four-way for the women's championship um the reason for that now do you
1: know the reason that this was thrown together like do you know the the actual reason why they had to do this i don't
0: and and i'll talk about that okay um but this just it felt really random and it felt like Why are we doing this when we know that Rio has a match coming up with Chris Statlander that has a story attached to it? And it felt like the kind of thing that would happen for no reason in WWE. And it's so frustrating to see them falling into that trap. Like, give us a match that makes sense, not this seemingly nonsensical and and once again there could be an explanation for it that i missed but i'm the kind of fan that they need to be able to grab i'm not going to pay super close attention to twitter and what happens online and what they do in their supplemental programming on youtube and those are the fans that they need to be able to capture right it's pretty simple to say they're capturing the hardcore fans at this point What they need is to be able to grow their casual audience because otherwise this whole thing's not going to pan out very well.
1: Yeah, so it resulted, um, another uh, promotion that Statlander had a relationship with, there was some sort of booking miscommunication. So she was actually booked for something else on the first. Um, So they, they did announce it on Twitter and I don't know if they, I don't think they really brought it up. They said that the match with Statlander The winner would face Statlander next week. Um, But the thing that, like the match I thought was good and I enjoyed it, but you kind of know, well, they already announced that prior to this mix-up that Rio is going to fight Statlander. Statlander is leading the AEW women's rankings right now. They then announced, oh, well, we're going to do this fatal four-way instead, and the winner will then face Statlander. They're not going to take the title off of Rio for one week to give it to someone else to then fight Statlander. Like, it just, it it kind of took away, like, it's one of those things when you're watching the match, you're just like, oh, of course Rio's going to win this. And bless them, they put on a fan, I thought, a fantastic match with really good spots. I thought the power dynamic with Nyla versus the three smaller women was really good. Um, but it definitely took a little air out of it for me where I wasn't as excited for it as I could have been. Um, but that's, that's the reason why, and they... They're going to do that match next week um, at the Memphis show. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, I know cards are subject to change, but it's really frustrating when you see like, okay, we're going to have this match. Cause that was announced, if, you know, the 28th, 27th, yeah, 27th. It was tweeted. Um, But like, you didn't know that she had a prior commitment or you didn't like stat You didn't check with this other promotion or whatever else you had. Now, maybe it wasn't, a promotion thing. Maybe that's just what they're saying. Maybe that's just the kayfabe version. But it was some sort of other issue. But yeah, that was that was rough. And it just, like you said, it added to the randomness because the Statlander Rio match would make sense. She was the number one contender. She won a match. She's the number one ranking. It would make sense. And then you kind of just throw all these women into this match where they're gonna take an L. So that's gonna affect their ranking.
0: Well, and and you know, we just had the rankings reset. January 1. So you're starting off the year with this kind of weird situation. Here's the other thing, and, and maybe this is getting a little too into the weeds, but I feel like this was an opportunity to develop Chris Statlander's character a little bit more. She's not there. Well, she's supposedly an alien from, you know, the Andromeda Galaxy or whatever. Can't work that into a reason why she's not there for this match that she was advertised for. And I understand the concept of, Oh, you can't deliver what you advertise. You have to give the fans something that's supposedly better, but you know, that's, that's not necessarily the best way to do it. In my opinion is to have a match where we know who's going to win. And we did know who was going to win. It was never in doubt the entire time that Rio was going to retain the title. And, When you have Rio, who's inexplicably beaten several talents in the company since winning the championship and on the way to winning the championship, it just kind of makes the rest of the vision look like chumps from a kayfabe perspective. And they looked great in the match. It was a really well-worked match, and I I don't want to take anything away from them at all. It's more the creative and the booking decision to have that match happen, and now let's say Statlander does go over Rio this upcoming week. It's going to kind of cheapen that victory, knowing that Rio had to go through this fatal four-way and, you know, endure what she did in that match. So I don't know. It just, it was off for me. And that's why it earns my stock down this week. But I'm looking forward to what's going to come next in the women's division. I feel like the women's division has been a real bright spot and particular seeing spots that I haven't seen in women's wrestling before being highlighted in AEW and some really, really great work in the ring. So still excited about the women's division, that match in particular, not the match itself, but that the match was happening. was a stock down for me.
1: Yeah. And, and taking that aside, one of my, one of the things I wanted to highlight was man, that was a fun match. And I I've, how many people use Rio as a weapon? Like I love when bigger wrestlers use smaller wrestlers as a weapon and Nyla Rose just like use, like just threw Rio at people and Rio was flung around the ring by everyone. And then Sheeta with the backdrop on Nyla. Holy crap. Like I, I came away very impressed with Sheeta um, with some of the spots that she, she had, um, and like, and then Nyla's flying Guillotine knee off of the turnbuckle onto the ropes is always nasty. I wrote Nyla just murdered Sheeta. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote she murdered Sheeta through the table. She's dead. <laughs> table broke near Sheeta's neck. Holy crap, she's dead. Um, and I just, I, I think everyone from a from an in ring standpoint came out looking really good. Um, and like it. I, it's nice we we've talked about before having like body diversity in the division, um, in both men's and women's division, and I thought this match was a really good showcase of that um, because y- you just had some really cool spots like that that just show like Nyla's size. Um, she had like that a gut wrench German suplex, which I always think is such a cool looking move because it just shows how strong someone is. Um, and then Nyla did like a Swanton bomb or a Sentin, whichever one you want to call it, which I thought was a pretty cool move for her to whip out. And then Sheeta hit her with a falcon arrow. Like my I I think I've mentioned before, like when I watch wrestlers take moves or give moves, like I can feel the pain in my back. My back exploded when she did that. I don't know how she got Nyla up like that. And it was such a cool spot. And I want to see more of Sheeta might might be my favorite AEW women's wrestler at the moment. And I, I like the, the Japanese influence that Kenny has been pushing in the women's division. Um, I definitely want to see, see Sheeta take that title. Um, and, and, and one other thing, I think we're ready for a title change. Not, it not, doesn't have to be the women's division just in general, all the original title holders still hold the belts. And I know you didn't want to, Bounce the title back and forth, back and forth, but I think we're at the point where we need to get one of these titles off of the original champion. What, what do you think? I'm crazy? Do you think do you think I'm I'm wrong here? But I,
0: I don't think you're wrong. I think it's it's uh I think it's a testament to how well they've been booking their product and the stories they've been able to tell without having titles change hands. That it's been so good to this point. You know, they started back in October, it's January, we haven't had a single title change hands, and I'm still interested to tune in every week, and I feel like anything can happen on an episode of Dynamite. Uh, I don't think it would be a bad thing at this point to start looking at title changes. Uh, I don't know that it necessarily needs to happen either, though. So uh, sorry to take the fence-sitting answer here. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is they're doing such a good job on good either way. Uh, I do think, to your point earlier, there is kind of a a lack of things to do for people who aren't in the main title picture and aren't in the tag team title picture. That kind of mid-card belt feels absent. And uh, maybe that's just my conditioning from being a WWE fan for so long. I want that mid-card belt or something to compete for. I had initially thought that the... Dynamite Diamond Ring was going to be that proxy secondary title. Uh, But clearly that's not the case since, you know, allegedly MJF is borrowing against it as collateral in kayfabe. I don't think you could do that if that was a title that you could lose. Uh, But it is, uh, it is something that they could consider doing at this point. I think they've had their champions hold the titles long enough that it's going to feel like a big deal whenever somebody loses that title, whether it's Rio dropping the women's title, whether it's Jericho losing the heavyweight title, or even SCU dropping the tag titles would feel really significant at this point, especially given the way that they've defended those titles thus far, the the brutal matches that they've all been through and somehow managed to come out on top. They've done a great job of putting over their champions.
1: Can we we talk a second about I like that they're, they're relying on the rankings and they are being true to the rankings. Chris Statlander is getting a title shot because she is 3-0 and in singles combat and she's the head of division. Don't you kind of miss the randomness of like, like, I don't know, like a, <laughs> uh, God, what's his name? I can't, I'm blanking on name. But like just the randomness of like, oh wow, you won a tournament, you won a battle royal, you get a title shot. Like, I, I like that they're committed to the rankings and the win loss record, but it kind of seems that it it's preventing them from getting some of these contenders or these title matches to happen sooner or more often. Um, like, and the rank- rankings are nice, but Chris Statlander really only debuted like a month ago and she just flew up the rankings. So like, okay, yeah, it's great that they're sticking to it, but does someone who been in the company and had three matches really deserve a title match so fast like it i don't know i i one of my favorite wrestling memories as a as a kid um well not a kid it was like a teenager was uh when they brought back the intercontinental title on the monday night show of the other wrestling show and they had like a battle royal at the pay-per-view and christian who had kind of just been there since e and c broke up won the battle royal Next night, new gear, shaved his hair, came out and did the peep. Basically is the, the, the creation of the peep, uh, the peeps. Peep show. Peeps, 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 peep, peeps. Yes. I was trying to, I didn't think that was it, but I was, I was, I didn't want to say peep show and be wrong. Nope, so no, that was it. But yeah. And yeah. So I just, um, I don't know. I, I, I like their, their commitment to it. I'm. I feel like maybe the secondary title would help with that you know, kind of give these guys a, a stepping off point. But like, for example, the diamond ring battle Royal, that could have been a tournament. And then you make that like go six weeks. I know they had to accelerate the MGF storyline and him winning. That was kind of a kick in the balls for Cody. But if you tell me you're going to take 12, uh, what, 16 wrestlers and do a tournament for this ring, you give more wrestlers a chance to show off. And because AEW is good at making wrestlers look good, even in losses, you can make some more stars in that tournament. though some of these mid-rap mid uh, mid-level guys that we haven't seen much of. Um, but yeah, so I I think we're kind of both on not necessarily about a title needing to change, but uh, they definitely need to do something about this mid card on both the men's women's and tag division got to make us care about something other than the belt
0: so i think the surprise versus the rankings it doesn't have to be an either or it can be a both and kind of situation so the fact that they're leaning on the rankings right now i don't think precludes them from having tournaments or having surprise challenges or even having a champion grant somebody a match out of nowhere for the title i mean we kind of saw that with uh scorpio sky getting his title match against jericho That was granted by the champion. He didn't work his way up the singles rankings and get that. Uh, To the whole tournament thing, they kind of just did a tag tournament to crown their original champions. So you don't want to do a tournament for everything all the time. I love a good wrestling tournament. I love when it's drawn out over several weeks. But there's time. There's time for them to do all of these things. You know, they've only been doing this on television every week since October. So all of the wrestling tropes and booking decisions and mechanics that they can use, that's all still at their disposal. I don't think that embracing one path means closing off all of the others. So I think there's a lot of room for them to work those in when it's appropriate. I don't want to do it just because, oh, here's a way we can do something. I want it to mean something, and I want it to be set up intentionally and built properly. This whole run leading into full gear and now leading into revolution has been the downward portion of a roller coaster. You know, We all need to get through this ride so we can get off, walk around, talk about how much we enjoyed it, and get back in line. And once we're back in line, that's when they can start building these tournaments and these traditions and these ideas and trying out some different storytelling. I like that they're keeping it really basic for now because it's putting the focus on the product in the ring, which is where they can differentiate themselves from the other shows that are out there. I think that once they establish a little bit more of a base, then we can see things get a little bit more quirky and off the wall and you know, not random, but shaken up, if you will.
1: Yeah. I, I'm curious to see what type of traditions they they roll out. You know, we we know in the other company we got the Royal Rumble, we have Survivor Series, you know, we have structure matches like the Elimination Chamber, Hell in a Cell. It's gonna be fun to see where they go that that route over the next few years. And hey, we're gonna get a Steel Cage match with Cody before Revolution. So I'm excited to see what this uh, this AEW cage is going to look like. I wonder if they're going to do something a little different. Maybe bring back the old school giant oh, blue God, one. The big blue cage. We're like big blue cage, baby.
0: I don't think a name. Anybody wants to see that? Oh. Uh, I do, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I am a somebody. I host a podcast. Say <laughs> so hey, cool, every man, man. Who's, in his thirties. I know. I feel like the most cliche thing we could do is either start a podcast as we approach thirty, or get into crafting beer. So, one of two things. I, I think guess. we've already
0: made that choice. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> with that, uh, with that, we'll, we'll bring our, our long-winded stock up, stock down to a close, and uh, look ahead at what's coming up next week. So, uh, as we've talked about,
1: I gotta, I gotta stop you for one second. Okay. I gotta stop you All for right. one second. We, we, can't, we can't do a, a stock-up, stock-down without mentioning the best wrestler in AEW, and that is MJF. <laughs> we, 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 can't, we can't get through a January 1st episode and not mention his, his conditions for the match. Uh, I'm going to stock up two of them and stock down one of them. So I love stipulation one if you touch me lay a finger on me you don't get your match it just allows mgf to be this massive piece of shit for the next 6 weeks and it's just going to build up to that match and it's going to be awesome when cody can finally finally lay his hands on him so thumbs up stock up for a stipulation 1 stipulation 2 the one on one match of an opponent of mgf choosing thumbs up on that i'm excited that we're going to see wardlow uh I'm excited that we're going to get our first structure match in AEW. I'm a little concerned that we might Wardlow's debut might have to be a loss to Cody. I hope they give him some squash matches over the next few weeks to really establish how much of a badass and physical presence he is. But overall, a thumbs up uh, because I want to see that match and I'm excited to see a structure in AEW. Stipulation 3 gets a big stock down. We're... <laughs> He is going to whip Cody 10 times. I I thought, I thought when he said you're going to get down on your fours, I thought he was going to say, you're going to kiss my ass. I thought we were getting the AEW kiss my ass club. And that is maybe just slightly worse than this whipping stipulation. How did you react when you heard that? I literally laughed out loud and said, what? I, I, I didn't get it. I don't, He's already doing enough to like torture Cody. This one just seems excessive.
0: So I think they have a lot of work to do to make the fans really hate MJF and for him to get the respectful booze, because we all love a good heel doing something like this. Like you can't cheer that it's just brutal. It's vicious. And so I think it serves a purpose. Uh, Not too long ago, last year, there was a interaction in Ring of Honor between uh, Flip Gordon and Bully Ray, in which Flip got the crap beaten out of him with a kendo stick. And I remember that. It was so graphic, they wouldn't show it on television. They censored it because his back got beaten up and bloodied from just getting destroyed by this kendo stick from from bully ray and it was awkward and uncomfortable because it wasn't in the context of a match it was literally are you tough enough to take 10 shots from this kendo stick and you know that was the whole interaction it was brutal it was violent and it served a purpose and it really got flip over in a big way um So I think if it's done well and it's done right, it can serve the dual purpose of reinforcing Cody's cred in terms of his toughness and what he's bringing and how much he wants this fight while also getting MJF over as this villainous heel that you can't possibly cheer for because he's that brutal and vicious and awful of a person. Uh, So I I think there's... if it's done well, it could be okay. I could also do without it. So.
1: Yeah. I also am curious of something that brutal being on TV. That seems like a pay-per-view spot, you know, or you get a little more violence on that. Um, A few other things from that segment. Uh, We got our weekly MGF t-shirt idea. Each scar would be a reminder that I'm better than you. And you know, it like that, that has like a Matt Hardy, like, scar shirt after he came back with the edge feud. Like I could see something really cool with that. And then I think might be the line of the night. If you if your heads weren't so far up your own asses, you would see shit clearly. That's called wordplay. <laughs> like He's just every time he talks, I am going to laugh at least three or four times. So, um, I just, I, I just thought the segment as a whole was pretty good. Uh, I thought one well, JF is just continues to be a damn good promo. Honestly, he shouldn't wrestle until he wrestles Cody. Just keep giving him the mic and letting him do what he does, man. It, it's it's so good. Um, and I said one last thing. I am now gonna do one last thing. <laughs> um, I like that the the one of the themes of this episode was are the elite still elite? You know, they they showed a, a vignette at the beginning of the show showing some of their fail, failures since all elite wrestling uh, started. And, you know, it was kind of a theme. Will will the Elite win tonight? And and that they were including Cody, the Bucks, uh, Kenny, and Dustin. And other than Dustin, they all got uh, the W tonight. And I liked how the show ended with them celebrating the ring. We've seen them celebrate in the ring together. Uh, at the end of, you know, was uh, Fight of the Fallen, I believe. The last time they were at this venue is when Kenny did the boing Instead of the bang when they were yeah, it was Fight for the Fallen. And it was a nice callback to that moment. And then Hangman doesn't join them. I, I kinda I like what they're doing here. They're kind of slow playing it. Um now uh I could do without the and that audio segment with Private Party was also pretty bad too. I couldn't hear a lot of going on, but um I just I kinda like the slow play dissolution of at least Hangman's membership of the elite. And I'm curious to see where they go with it. I always kind of thought Kenny would be the one to kind of snap and leave the elite, but uh maybe this is their their way of of building uh hangman page into some really despicable cowboy shit. so
0: could be I mean I think it was it was well set up, and I really enjoyed the way they dispelled your cares about the fact that the elite have been losing. And they did that by just simply hanging a lantern on the fact that, Hey, we haven't been doing very well. And once they acknowledge that on screen as the audience member, you kind of stop thinking about it. It's like, Oh, they know that they see that. And that's intentional. It's part of their plan. So uh, I liked that. And I thought that they did a good job of reestablishing them so that, you know, new year, 2020, we can move forward. And now we have to care about these people again and we have to treat them seriously. So I I do think that was good. And, you know, looking forward, we're going to see some action uh, moving that Kenny and Hangman story along uh, when they face off with Private Party this upcoming January 8th episode. So that'll be interesting to see where do they go with that? Do we get a major development or is it going to be more of this kind of strained alliance between the two. I think they've done a really good job of making it feel like Kenny really wants to bring page back into the fold and page is just kind of wishy washy about it and not really going for it, but also not being openly hostile towards Kenny. So I'm interested to see who's going to throw the first punch between those two. Uh, I like, the, the way they've been building it up thus far
1: yeah it's it's interesting i I feel like it go could go a bunch of different ways and uh i I feel like we're kind of gotten over that that Kenny storyline from the fall of him kind of losing his way because he's been on a he's put on good matches he's got some w's um so it, it's kind of interesting to see that it's it it might actually be hangman that is the one who kind of loses his path so Um, I'm looking forward to that also on next week's card. We're going to get that aforementioned Rio versus Chris Statlander title match. That should main event. That should be the main event. I'm going to be pretty disappointed if that does not close the show. Um, I feel like they, I feel like they will put them in the position to do that, but you know, I've been wrong before, but uh, I feel like that has a chance to um, be a really fast paced, exciting match. I've, I've only seen Statlander wrestle the few times she's wrestled in AEW, so I'm excited to see what she can get in a, a showcase match like this with Rio. Um, hopefully it's the main event, but well, we'll have to wait and see.
0: I think it will um, probably other... be the last match to go on, even if it's not technically the main event of the show. There are a couple of promo spots that you could see uh, being big here. Cody... Moving forward, the storyline with MJF could be the last thing on the show if you don't want to call it the main event. Uh, And then you could also, if we get more development with Moxley and the Inner Circle, that could potentially be in that final segment. Um, But I I agree. I think Statlander and Rio should be the final match of the night, if not the full main event closing out the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think these two can put on a really good match. Statlander is a very strong and very physical competitor in the ring. And with Rio being so small, I think there's some really innovative stuff they could do and you might see some really interesting spots. So I'm really looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, I'm a little, I I hope that they let this match go clean. They haven't gone down that route of having, you know, a lot of uh, dusty finishes. Um, I'm a little worried with the nightmare collective story and, their interest in Statlander that maybe they do a run in or cause some sort of distraction or help DQ finish, who knows, but um, I would like to see a decisive finish to this and then the continuation of the Statlander storyline with uh, the nightmare collective. I don't want that to, ta- I don't want, I don't want anything to take away the shine of what should be a really good women's championship match.
0: Well, it's worth noting there hasn't been a disqualification finish Thus far in AEW, not a single yeah. one.
1: So I, like I said, I, I think I'm just suffering from uh, other show post traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I, I, I find myself watching dynamite worried some tropes are going to happen. And luckily we've, we've avoided those for the most part, but, um, also on the show, uh, we are going to get a six man tag between the best friends in orange Cassidy and Jurassic express um, should be a fun. It's kind of a random matchup. Uh, but always down to see all of those uh stars wrestle, especially uh Orange Cassidy and well, maybe five of those stars, Marco stunt. <laughs> Everyone else though. Really excited to see. Really excited to see. Um, but I this is another one of those things where it does seem random kind of to some of the matches on on the January 1st episode, so uh I would be surprised if there's any storyline momentum out of this match other than it just being a really good match, but um, we'll see. It, it Secondary title, I think at some point, would if they wanted to go down the six-man tag route, I think they have enough groups where they could succeed in that, but I don't think they'll do that anytime soon. But these would definitely be to the teams I'd be interested in that type of title scene.
0: I agree. I think this could be a really good match. And I think if there is going to be a storyline tie-in with anything, uh this could be a spot where you see the dark order reassert themselves and show up and and kind of wreck house in this kind of situation and you know, they had that brief moment with Marco Stunt before where they were trying to get him to join. So, you know, maybe there's some kind of a continuation there or you know, maybe they go after someone like uh, Chuck Taylor, who's been kind of underutilized and, and hasn't necessarily been given that spotlight. He's a, someone who's a great character and tremendously entertaining, so much charisma. So, I mean, there's definitely ways they can go if they want to tie it into an existing story. But I think right now, just having a really entertaining six-person match is, is enough. And I think they could put on a, a heck of a show. Uh, I want to see Luchasaurus go one-on-one with Orange Cassidy and, you know, match him (laughs) kick for kick. So let's, uh, let's see that for sure.
1: That's going to be great. Um, what, 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 where, where where's my, where are my boys, the butcher and the blade, man, like job out to Cody and then disappear. I I was very disappointed to get no triple B this week.
0: Well, presumably they're Um, hiding under the ring.
1: I mean, they live there now. That's what I hear. Um, (laughs) Also on this show, we have the Spanish God versus the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. I'm low key really looking looking forward to this match. Didn't really need a lot of build up because Sammy is such a little shit that him just talking crap to someone backstage is enough to have a match. Um, and I kind of like that they played into you know Christopher Daniels being the old man, and he's so so damn good. We haven't really seen him have many singles matches. In AEW, I, I don't think since maybe the summer because they did the whole injury feud in the tag team tournament. So that's how Scorpio Sky was in the the thing. So well, he had the I, definitely he
0: had the singles match with was it Phoenix? Um, oh, that was a match yeah, where he right. had the botch um, with the uh, Arabian moonsault that uh, did yeah, not yeah, go yeah, so okay. well. Um, but but yeah, for the, he hasn't had a whole lot of singles exposure, and I think. You know, Sammy is someone who is a tremendous athlete and physical talent, uh, but he's still got to learn some of the finer points of being a professional wrestler, and Daniels, at this point in his career, with so much experience, he's such a great hand, he's definitely going to be able to make Sammy look really good in this match, um, I kind of hope that Daniels goes over just because I don't feel like Sammy needs to get wins right now with this kind of shitheel character that he's doing. Uh, but I-, I think it's a great opportunity for him to look really good in a match, get to show off what he can do, and learn a thing or two from a much more experienced wrestler in Daniels.
1: Yeah, it's I like that they paired him up with Dustin this week. Other than seeing, you know, <laughs> Dustin just slapping his butt over and over which made me laugh but I really enjoyed uh that match and I think it's a good thing to keep putting him with these these vets um because you're right there's always one thing maybe one landing that he doesn't quite stick or one move that's just a tad second too late so uh yeah I, I think it's a good idea to keep pairing him with these vets um like, kind of make him, like, a low-key AEW legend killer. You know, have him take out some of the old guard um, and just let him run with it. Uh, and also just give him, like, some promo. Like, have Jericho continue doing some promo lessons with him behind the scenes, because I feel there's a really good promo in Sammy, and we're we're getting bits of it during some of his stuff. Like, did, did, did you watch the... Did you see his picture-in-picture stuff with, like, the the uh, the love actually bit with the cue cards yes, and stuff? Yes,
0: I, I did see oh that. My I think there's, God. there's a lot that, that he has to offer and uh, his character is such that you can do a lot and it's just going to be funny simply because it's Sammy and there are so many silly things about his character. It, it didn't feel inauthentic for him to be doing that spot. Just like his reaction to having the screen of his cell phone smudged uh, was, was really funny to me. I forget if it was Scorpio Sky or Frankie Kazarian that, you know, you know, licked their finger and then smudged his screen. But I just, I thought that was great. And I I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing Sammy develop more as a talent and, uh, seeing what he can do down the line. You mentioned him, uh, squaring off with some legends. There are going to be plenty of legends. If you can, you know, go that far, um, to, uh, to go after, assuming they're present for this, uh, uh, you know, night of Memphis legends in the house, of course, you know, notably absent one Jerry Lawler, but uh, still going to be kind of cool that they're doing this and and we'll see, I'm sure they'll use it to get somebody over and, uh, you know, the rock and roll express can, can still go. So I'll be interested to see if they find their way into a match as a result of this.
1: Oh, yeah, that's that's the group that's got to get involved physically. If you're looking at their like graphic, I am playing find the dead wrestler. And there are quite a few of them (laughs) on this picture. Um, Yeah, well, it's they got they got Macho Man. They got Brian Christopher um, and they have some guys where the picture just looks like it's an old dead guy. Um, So, yeah, I, I always associate Memphis Wrestling with Jerry the King. And obviously they can't do anything with him since he's under contract with the other show. Um, But I'm curious to see what they do. And yeah, the rock and roll express, you know, they were NWA champions or they still might be, I don't know if they are or not, but they can still do some stuff and uh, it'd be cool to see maybe Sammy get involved with them or any, you know, slimy heel get involved with them. And then the last match that we have uh, the Rhodes brothers versus the Lucha bros first time ever. It has on the graphic that should just be a fun match, you know, once again, kind of random, you know, but, uh, I'm sure we'll get Cody's response to MJF at the conclusion of that match. But, um, any, any time you get to see the Lucha brothers in a match and Pentagon, uh, and Phoenix, it's just, it's going to be great. Um, one thing with those guys, I, this is another thing where if there was some sort of secondary title or secondary prize, those two can go in singles matches and, I can't wait for the time where we get Pentagon at the top of the card feuding for that AEW championship. I know they need him in the tag division, and I know the Lucha Bros, you know, are a standard bearer for that. But both of these guys on their own can do some pretty great stuff. So um, it'd be a shame if we don't really get to see either one of them have a a singles run in the next year or so.
0: I think given the way they've been featured in singles matches, even as they've been doing their tag team run, is kind of establishing in the mind of the audience, these are great wrestlers, full stop. Not great tag Mm -hmm. team wrestlers, just great wrestlers. And I think that there's definitely an opportunity for uh, Ray Phoenix or Pentagon to have that run. And uh, not that I wish injury on anybody, but it's the kind of situation where if one of them had to miss some time for any reason, whether it was, you know, illness or rehabbing an injury or just needed to take some time off, that could be the opportunity to put the other one in the spotlight, give them that chance to shine in that singles championship conversation. But they're absolutely right there. I mean, we saw – I know this is kind of going back to – all in but you know it started off with pentagon and kenny squaring off and what was considered by a lot of people to be the match of the night so you know that it's not lost on them the talent that they have from a singles perspective and uh i think there's an argument that can be made that ray phoenix is you know top three best workers in the world i mean he's he's absolutely tremendous Um, Pentagon's no slouch either, but I mean, Ray is just incredible.
1: I just want to see that gigantic AEW belt combined with Pentagon's ring gear. Like that's just going to look so cool. Like give him the title for a night. Just let me, let me get that pictures. Like i make making my wallpaper, uh, and, and we're calling night, but, um, I, it's just, it's just great to be able to see those guys on a semi-weekly basis because Honestly, the last few years, the only time I got to see them wrestle was WrestleMania weekend at a uh, WrestleCon. That was the only time I got to see I guess Lucha Underground. I'm sorry, I forget they exi- they existed. <laughs> um, but but to be able to see those guys consistently and uh it, it's just a just a treat and it's I'm so glad they turned down the offer from the other wrestling show <laughs> cuz I think we're really getting to see what they, you know, their max potential here in AEW. And I I will Make a bet with you now, Pentagon Jr. will be AEW World Champion within the next three years. If not, well, I owe you lunch?
0: (laughs) All right. Well, I think that about wraps things up for this week. So uh, we'll uh, look forward to what's happening on the January 8th episode. And uh, we'll see you back here next time.
1: And don't forget to check us out on social media. We have uh, a Facebook page, Instagram page under The Other Wrestling Show. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get the same handle on Twitter, but there we are—the OWS underscore Pod. You can email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail We'd love to hear from you guys. Get some feedback. Also, what do you want to talk about? What are you interested in hearing us talk about? Um, what do you What are you liking and not liking about AEW so far? So, yeah, reach out to us. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you can get your podcast. Really. And definitely leave us some feedback. Those ratings, uh, those five-star ratings can be really helpful. Help spread the word. And, yeah, we'll see you back here next week after another exciting episode of AEW Dynamite. Hey, everyone, I'm Mike.